Well, my name's Hayden. I'm the senior pastor here at Walk Church, and thank you for the love and the honor. On behalf of my wife, Nina, and our, our staff, we just want to say thank you for joining us uh, for church today. And, and if you're online, thanks for leaning in with us. You're not just watching, you're engaging in this worship service, even through technology. So praise the Lord. Jump in the comments. There's community in the comments, and uh, get to know us a little bit better through that. Um, I'm excited for this time. Come on, somebody just say, finish strong. Finish strong. Finish strong. How, how about it? We made it through the month of November up to this point, and uh, this is the last weekend in November. Hopefully, you and your family had an enjoyable Thanksgiving in some capacity, and uh, you're, you're getting ready to turn the corner into Christmas time. Some of you have already turned in, and I ain't mad at you, um, but... Today we're coming up on the last sermon in this series that we've titled, come on, say it with me, Momentum. Momentum. That's the word that God has given us for this year. We're diving deep into the momentum God has for us as a church family. We started out by defining that word momentum with these two words, forward motion, that God is taking us forward. You notice that Jesus, when he calls his disciples, he calls them to what? To follow him, which involves going forward. In fact, Peter actually demonstrates this in a tangible way. He drops his net to follow Jesus. He says, I'm not going backwards. I'm going forwards with faith. That's what it looks like to have momentum. And when I felt that word come upon my heart, I felt like the Holy Spirit was saying that our church needs to grow in three specific areas when it comes to having momentum. Let me give you those three. This is going to be a bit of a recap for some, but this is the final installment in this sermon series. So I want to make sure you caught it and captured it, even if this is your first time with us here today. And mind you, if this is your first time with us, come on, can we give a walk welcome? Glad you're here online and in the room. Hopefully you feel free and feel encouraged. It's a big deal that you chose to join us on this special Sunday. We're talking about forward motion. Uh, the first area of momentum that we're growing in as a church is family momentum. Family momentum. That the church is not like family. The church is family. That the Bible doesn't refer to people like sons and daughters or like brothers and sisters. But the Apostle Paul actually declares that we, by faith in Jesus, have been adopted into, not like the family of God, but into the family of God. Jesus in John chapter 1, verses 10 through 12, says that Jesus came to his own people, but many of his own people did not receive him. But for those who did receive him and those who did believe in his name, he gave them the right to become children of God who were not born of the flesh, but born again of the spirit and praise God that the Holy Spirit doesn't receive us, then leave us. But come on, he sticks with us through it all. And so I think that if we're not careful, sometimes there's just too many spiritual orphans that are floating around churches, disconnected and attending gatherings, but not part of a family. And the Bible doesn't call you to church attendance. The Bible calls you to, to, to a family. And so uh, church is not, I'll put these up here on the screen. I just want to remind you of it one more time. I'll put these statements up. Church is not an event you go to. 
Church is not a building you walk into. I'm going to go to church. No, no. Church is a family you belong to. So this is a family gathering with brothers and sisters from all over the place, backgrounds, cultures, colors, ethnicities, walks of life, coming together in this space where there's grace to worship King Jesus, who's the Lord of his family, his church, his body. And there's always room for more. Amen? There's always, a, there's always a seat that's open for somebody new to be a part of the family. So we're growing in family momentum. In fact, every month we have something here at Walk Church that's called Join the Family. And I'm excited about that because it's giving people a tangible step on how to join this church family. We don't want to assume that people just want to be family with us. Uh, in, in fact, it's okay to be friends too. You can be in this church and be a friend, but we, we do want to know who is family. We want you to know who your family members are as well. And so join the families, our path to do that. Session one happens on the first Sunday of every month. Session two happens on the second Sunday of every month. Let me see if you can guess this. When session three happened? The third Sunday of every month. So if you want to start next Sunday, it's the first Sunday in December, check out Join the Family, session one, get to know about our story. The next week we get to know about your story. And then we put it all together and we talk about family expectations and would love for you to join the church family and grow deeper in the context of family with us. Uh, the second area of emphasis that I want us to grow in when it comes to momentum is kingdom, or, or is leadership momentum. Leadership momentum. Um, I believe that every family member that's a part of this church has leadership potential on their lives. Yeah. I heard a yeah and an amen, but those in the back didn't hear me. <laughs> every, Every family member, every individual in this room right now, hear me when I say that and hear me well, you have leadership potential on your life. You do. You do. You may not believe it, but it's true. Let me give you just one reason why. One reason why is because you are formed and created in the image and likeness of God himself. If God has created you in his image, you have supreme value, worth, dignity, and leadership potential. There's no greater creator than the Savior. We're created in the image of God. Therefore, we're created with leadership capacity and potential in our lives. Here's what we want to do at Walk. We want to help unlock that and develop that so you can become the leader that God is calling you to be. So for the oldest person in the room, you have leadership potential. For the youngest person in the room, oh, you have leadership potential. And we want to help develop that. In fact, we have a class going on right now that's called LEAD, where we're walking through this acronym. I'll put it up here on the screen. Just a quick recap and reminder. The L stands for? The E stands for? The A stands for aware. The D stands for discipline. Anybody struggle with the D right here? I, I, know, I know that especially in the months of November and December on the food tip, um, the discipline comes alive all the more. Um, we talk about when it comes to being a leader, bless you, um, there's all types of different definitions for what a leader is. In fact, in my journey of visiting other churches and learning from other churches and learning from other companies and businesses and I like to learn from all types of different avenues. Um, I've learned that people define leadership differently. Here's how we define what a leader is here at Walk Church. We, we, we believe that leaders are learners, that leaders are not know-it-alls. Yeah. 
Leaders don't walk in the room and say, I'm the leader and I'm here and I'm gonna tell you everything that you need to know because I have learned it all. The leader is actually the one in the room with the notebook open, asking the right questions, desiring to get better. The, the leader says, you know what? It's not all about me. I'm actually here to learn more from you. Leaders are not just learners. Leaders are listeners, amen? They listen to grow and learn, not listen to share their opinion. There's this powerful proverb that says, the fool only shares their own opinion, but the wise listens for advice. Oh, that's a married uh, marriage tip for somebody in the room, right? <laughs> Don't just share your own opinion. Listen for advice, amen? I see some points, some elbowing. Yeah, I'll be careful right now. You know what I'm saying? Leaders are learners, not just opinion sharers. Have you ever been linking up with somebody and they're just like, they just can't wait to share their stuff? It's like, hey, well, listen to learn. We can learn from each other. Leaders are readers. Uh, I want to shout out a sister in our church, Melissa. Um, she just pulled me aside um, before I came in to this service. And she said, hey, remember when you gave the challenge a couple weeks ago to finish a book in a year? Uh, well, I just finished my second book. Come on. I just wanted to say, yeah, way to apply the message. I said, well, leaders are readers. No wonder you're growing. Leaders are excellent. Why are leaders excellent? Well, because Jesus is the greatest leader that ever lived, and he modeled excellence. Find me a place in Jesus's life where he didn't model excellence. I haven't found it yet. Jesus is the standard for excellence. And then there's a picture of a brother in the Bible named Daniel in Daniel chapter six, where it says that Daniel had an excellent spirit about him. And so there was a pagan king named Darius who was Daniel's boss. Daniel, through challenging circumstances, was exiled from his homeland into a pagan city where he had to work a secular job. Can anybody relate? Can somebody give me an amen? All right, right? And so here's Daniel, and he's there, and here, let me hear. Instead of being a complainer, he said, I'm gonna be excellent. And so through the excellent spirit that he carried, his boss, King Darius, said, I'm gonna put this believer above all the governors of the land. And then when he arose above all the governors and the leaders of the governors, he put Daniel over the leaders of the governors. He said, I'm just gonna trust you, dude, because you do everything with excellence. Excellence changes the room, amen? amen? Changes the atmosphere. Nina and I were on a date last night. We were at a restaurant. The, the person that was serving us food had just the spirit of excellence about him. And Nina and I just said, hey, this, this, this person's leading with excellence. It made a, a more enjoyable experience for us. Now, have you ever been in the same situation where the server didn't have a spirit of excellence, forgot the order, showed up late, didn't really listen? I always get nervous when they don't write the stuff down. Like, come on. I know your memory's sharp, but I'm picky, all right? <laughs> and then they come back and you're like, man, you should have wrote it down. Be excellent. Whatever that may look like, my point is, I don't ever want you to be in your workspace wearing a walk church shirt, but not modeling excellence. Come on. Come on. Where you're there and you got your Jesus wins wristband on, but you're being unexcellent. And people are taking little notes thinking, this person loves Jesus, but doesn't love excellence. You can love people well by leading with excellence. Eye contact, hold the door open, 
help somebody out. Don't just start a job. Come on, finish a job. Amen. Lead with excellence. Lead with that. Challenge yourself. Say, I'm going to be a more excellent leader, a more excellent husband, a more excellent wife, more excellent in my singleness, more excellent in my purity, more excellent thoughts. Amen. let's, Let's decrease negative thinking. Let's increase excellent thinking. It'll play out in your life. I got to be talking to somebody. Come on. More excellent Bible reading. More excellent praying. Jesus, he rebukes the disciples at one point. He goes, look, you guys are praying wrong. In fact, some of y'all are praying too long. Jesus goes, have a more excellent prayer life. Just get to the point. Make sure you pray the point. I know that was challenging, but, you know, hey, we can grow in excellence in all types of areas. Excellence changes the the atmosphere. Leaders model excellence. I want to encourage you to grow in that area and and grow in awareness. We talked about awareness and how important awareness is. One thing I've learned more than ever since 2020 and beyond is that great leaders have great awareness, awareness of the room. If you can read the Bible, but you can't read the room, you lack awareness. Reading the the, the, the Spirit. What's the Holy Spirit encouraging you to do? What's the season of life that you're in? Right? Jesus modeled this well. I've been reading in the Gospel of John lately. I was just reading in John chapter 5 yesterday, and I was amazed at all the different moments where Jesus says, it's not my time yet, which just showed me Jesus is aware of the time. He knows what he's doing. He knows what on time is. He knows what it's not on time. In fact, they were trying to get Jesus to do certain things and Jesus would be aware enough to know, I know what you're doing. It's not my time yet. In fact, there's a moment in the earlier parts of the gospel of John in chapter two where it says, the people wanted Jesus to do something, but Jesus knew what was in them. So he decided to go about it differently. Jesus had great awareness. Great leaders have great self-awareness. And so I want to bring that challenge back up before we conclude this series and ask you to do it one more time because I know that majority of you never did it. And here's what it is. To find somebody who loves you but is not impressed with you. I'm going to say it one more time. Who loves you but is not impressed with you. Amen? Amen. So, So don't go to somebody who doesn't like you or love you. That's starting off on the wrong foot. But also don't go to a yes man who's going to tell you everything that you want to hear and possibly deceive you in your thinking. You're going to find somebody before the end of the year who loves you but is not impressed with you. And you're going to say, hey, 2023 is going to be my best year ever. 2023, I'm going to become the best leader I've ever been. And it's going to start right now. Tell me what I'm not aware of. In my personal life, Where do I lack self-awareness? And have your notes ready, your pen out. We'll give you the pen. It's it's in front of you. And just say, hey, I'm here to listen. Where where do I lack awareness? And guess what you just made? Your goal list for the year. You just made a 2023 goal resolution list. My goal is to become more aware and to grow in these areas because everybody else can see this on my life but me. Leaders have great awareness. I want to encourage you and challenge you to do that. Will it sting a little bit? Yes. Yes. 
But the only thing that stings more is unawareness. It's for you to be here and for everybody else to see the mustard on you and you not see it. And then you go look in the mirror and then what do you think? How come I was, I was standing there with Japper the whole time? How come he didn't say nothing, right? Not, Japper would actually say something. But you're with, you know, you're with, you know that he's, he's a real one, right? But you, you, you're like, hey, wait, how come, no, how come nobody said anything? Somebody help me. Help me grow in my leadership awareness. The final one is discipline. Why is discipline important? Here's why. Because if you lack this last one, you'll get none of these. If you want any hope for learning excellent and being aware, you got to have discipline. If you lack the discipline, you'll say, oh, I want to read, but you'll never read. If you lack the discipline, you'll get inspired sufficiently, but won't have the discipline to carry it out. If you lack the discipline, you'll get excited about being excellent. You'll say, ooh, I want to, someone's wanted to clap for that. Amen, I'll clap with you. You'll get excited about being excellent. You'll say, ooh, there's all these areas that I want to grow in excellence. I want to clean my closet. I want to clean my car. I want to clean up my life. I want to grow. I want to stop eating this. I want to start eating that. I want to start going to the gym. I want to stop doing, I want to. If you don't have the discipline, you won't do any of it. The, the proverb says the sluggard turns on its bed and says there's a lion outside. There's a lion in the streets. How do you know? You in your bed. You just make up the most extreme things to keep you lazy. Get disciplined. Grow in excellence. If you lack the discipline, you'll sit here right now and say, yeah, I'm going to do it. I'm going to ask somebody who loves me but it's not impressed with me to tell me where I lack awareness and I'm really going to listen and not get offended. You'll, you'll say, I'm going to do it, but then you'll leave here and you'll forget. And you'll make excuses and you'll say, well, nobody loves me. And then you'll realize you're an excuse maker because you're deeply loved by a lot of people. And maybe you just discovered something if you feel like nobody loves you, you just realize an awareness piece. Maybe you're unlovable. Maybe you should start making yourself more loving. The most loved people are the most loving people. If you start being more loving, you'll start feeling more loved. You grow in awareness. If you grow in discipline, discipline is, is putting the right steps in place to make sure something happens. If you wait, you'll be too late. If you say, you know what? I'm going to wait till I get to a 10 to be able to do this. You're going to miss so much along the journey. I would rather do a six than a zero. I might not be where I want to be yet, but I'm, I'm further along than I was yesterday. Let me, take, let me step into it with faith. Amen. This is leadership momentum. So we're growing in that every fourth Sunday of the month, we have a lead class where we walk through LEAD and uh, that's going on right now. You can plan for it in the month of uh, December and it's really a special time where we grow in the context of leadership because we believe every person in this room has leadership potential, some influence in some capacity. We wanna just help bring it out, right? Leadership is a journey over time. We grow along the journey. We want to help you do that. If you got to say, I got it. 
All right, let me move into the third and final emphasis of the momentum series. That's kingdom momentum. Kingdom momentum. We've been talking about this phrase, kingdom. It's such an important word in the life of the Christian. Why? Because of what Jesus teaches us in Matthew 6, verse 33. Here's what he says. Come on, read it with me. Ready, set, go. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Jesus gives a sermon in Matthew chapter 6 on the topics of anxiety, worrying, stress, building your house, building your life, how to live and operate. And he says, all the things that you're worried about will be added to you if you seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. I love what Jeremy Treat says about this topic. He writes, Jesus gave his followers many commands, but there was only one thing he said to seek first. If we're not careful, we can start seeking a a chore list. All right. All right. Now that I'm a Jesus follower, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta do this. I gotta do that. I gotta do this. I gotta do that. And if not, God will be mad at me. That is not the gospel. That's the law. You just jumped right back into the Old Testament. Jesus saves us from the chore checklist that makes us feel guilty. Jesus paid for that on the cross when he said, it is finished. Jesus shed his blood so that we could have access to him by faith and be a part of his family. For those who know Jesus as Lord and Savior, I just wanted you to know this today. It's a a lyric from the song, Jireh. (laughs) There'll never be a moment where God will love you anymore, right? Can never be more loved than you are right now. You couldn't couldn't earn it by doing more. You couldn't lose it by doing less. By your faith in Christ, praise God for the good news, amen. Oh, praise God for the gospel. It's not like if I I do perfect on my church attendance this year, I'll get a green, I'll get a a good in God's eye. No, God's goodness was following you when you weren't going to church. He was running after you, trying to help you see there's value in the body. The gospel is not about what you can do for him. The gospel is about what he did for you. And that's when you open your hands and say, all right, I'm gonna, gonna, in humility, receive his goodness by grace. I'm not gonna reject the blood. I'm gonna accept the blood that was paid for, the precious blood of Jesus for me. That's the gospel. And he says, in doing so, to seek first his kingdom. I've been talking about the power of the kingdom of God, and how we want to be kingdom-first Christians, kingdom-first disciples, kingdom-first men, and kingdom-first women, and kingdom-first children, and and kingdom-first grandparents. Come on, kingdom-first leaders where God has placed us. If you're really going to be kingdom-first, here's what you got to realize. The kingdom of God is bigger than this room. Let me say it like this. The kingdom of God is bigger than the city of Las Vegas. The kingdom of God is bigger than the West Coast, which is the best coast. Can I get an amen? I mean, I love that. I love saying that. Especially when I get an opportunity to speak on the East Coast, I always say that, and then I get booed. I had to be careful with that. And I realized in that, that the kingdom of God's on the East Coast. I remember traveling to the country of Zambia, Africa on a mission trip. And I remember being in a discipleship session with a lot of Zambians. 
And the brother that was leading the class said this with conviction and passion and boldness in his eyes. He said, brothers and sisters, listen to me. I just happened to be in the room. Said, we need to be on mission, seeking first the kingdom. We need to send more missionaries to America because America's lost. I've never been on the other side of that. I was there as a missionary from, I'm learning discipleship there in the class thinking, yeah, we need to reach America. Wait, that's my, yeah, wait. Wait, the kingdom of God is bigger than America. In fact, it's way bigger. In fact, Jesus is not from America. To really know the kingdom, you got to know the king of the kingdom who's from a different world. He's the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords. He's coming back to establish a new heaven and a, a new earth where we get dual citizenship. Where we're like, we, yeah, we have a citizenship here, but this is not our capital H home. We're going somewhere. Jesus raises up a kingdom where he puts us in the game. We, even, we, become, king, we become priests in the kingdom. Let me show you this verse out of Revelation chapter one. The book of Revelation, there's this disciple named John who gets this heavenly vision of what heaven will be like and look like in some capacity. And at the beginning of the book of Revelation, John says this in his intro. He says, to him who loves us. Can I get an amen? Amen. And has freed us from our sins by his blood. Oh, what a good verse. Praise God for the freedom in Christ through the blood of Jesus. And made us a kingdom. Oh, don't, don't read this and read walk church. And made us a walk church. Why do I say that? Because something I learned several years ago from a mentor in my life, Pastor Vance Pittman, he's the former senior pastor of Hope Church, which is our sending church. And one time he said this and it opened my eyes to a, a, a staggering reality. One, one day walk church will no longer exist. In fact, if today you went to the city of Ephesus and you looked for the Ephesian church that Paul wrote to, it's not there. If you went to Philippi and looked for the Philippian church, You can go to the city and you can find a bunch of rocks on the ground, but the church is not there. All churches have a life cycle, a starting moment and an ending moment, but the kingdom of God goes on. Amen. Amen. If you want a good ROI, a good return on your investment, invest in the kingdom. That thing's going to last. There's good investment, good reward that follows kingdom first living. Jesus made us a kingdom, priests to his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Let's keep reading just for one more second because I think it just, the intro was so juicy in Revelation chapter one. Behold, everybody say behold. Behold, he is coming with the clouds and every eye will see him even those who pierced him and all tribes of the earth will wail on account of him. Even so, amen, right? John writes this in the introduction of the book of Revelation just to set the tone here that God is a big God. This is 2,000 years ago, plus all the tribes of the earth. One day we'll get to heaven. For those who know Christ, you'll be 
seated around the table. You'll be standing around the throne. And you'll look to the left and look to the right and look into the distance and realize heaven is not a monoculture. It's a multiculture. It's not a monocolor. It's multicolorful. It's multi-ethnic. It's multilingual. There's all types of languages and tongues being sang and lifted up. There's, there's all types of food choices and all types of ways we express life. I mean, one word we don't tend to use often here in our culture is the word tribe, but there's tribes that are around the throne. The nations. You'll see your Filipino and Filipina brothers and sisters. You'll, you'll see those from Iraq and Ukraine and America and Mexico. People from all over the place worshiping together. It'll be across political lines, amen? There'll, there'll be no red or blue, there'll be no Crips or Bloods. We'll be on Team Jesus. And he will be the focus of our affection and our lives. You've got to think kingdom. Oh, let me say it one more time. This is bound to offend somebody. Send Pastor Mike an email, please. <laughs> Don't think political. Think kingdom. Your greatest politician will let you down. King Jesus is still going. I'm not saying that we shouldn't have convictions. I'm not saying that people shouldn't vote. I'm, I'm saying that we should take every opportunity we can to change and affect the culture that we live in for the glory of God in a kingdom way. I'm saying that we should, but don't allow that to consume you more than the kingdom consumes you. Sometimes I, I talk with people, I'm like, man, you sound more like your favorite news channel than the good news of the word. We should never be more known for what we're against than what we're for. We're for the kingdom. So next time you want to say your smart line and get all negative with the political stuff, make sure that matches with the kingdom. Because what if the kingdom was trying to invade in specific areas and you just didn't have the heart or the awareness to see it? And God was actually trying to put you in a position to affect change. But through your negativity or through your shade, you miss the opportunity to think kingdom, to be kingdom, to live kingdom. I want to give you just a couple kingdom verses um, to help kind of shape your mindset when it comes to this. And we're going to hear from some different leaders before we close on how this is being lived out in our city for his glory. Um, Jesus did something when, with his teaching ministry where he spoke in parables. Um, a parable is a short-form fictional story that has a spiritual principle that we can apply. Does that make sense? A parable is where Jesus shares a short illustration or a story. It doesn't necessarily have to be a real story. It could be a fictional illustration or a metaphorical illustration that has a spiritual principle for us to apply in our daily lives. That's a, that's a parable. Um, the Old Testament prophets said that the Messiah would one day speak in parables. Jesus 
live that out. Matthew chapter 13, Jesus delivers some parables about the kingdom. Let's look at 13 verse 31. He put another parable before them saying, the kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his field. It is the smallest of all seeds, but when it is grown, it is larger than all the garden. I think that's a valuable statement when it comes to the kingdom of God. The kingdom of heaven is like a grain of, of mustard seed. I remember once somebody gave Nina a, a little chain and in it had a little pendant that had a, a mustard seed and it. it is so small, it's hard to see. It's this little baby mustard seed ball. This small seed has the potential to become a whole forest. This has a potential to become a plant, becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. There's a lot of interpretation of what this could mean when Jesus gives this parable. But here's what I believe he's getting at. He's saying, if you do kingdom moves, kingdom thinking, kingdom activity, kingdom ways, that thing, it could be something small, but it has the potential to be big. If you start living kingdom lives, it might just be small moments with great activity that follows. In fact, people will come and eat from it. People will come and rest in it. People will come and find their home in it because of your kingdom mentality. Jesus says the kingdom is like a small action step that when it's planted, it becomes big. He goes on to say, let me give you one more. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour till it was all leavened. Now, that's a bizarre parable. But for all the bakers in the room, you're like, oh, I like this one. Like the gardeners like the first one. How about Jesus speaks in all these different ways? He's, he relates to different people's crafts and skills, right? I know recently kind of making your own bread has become like a trend. People are making their own sourdough bread. I would love to receive some if you make some, all right? Praise God. I love it. And it's always very neat how people do it. And I didn't necessarily attempt to do that because that's not my skill. All right. I would mess it up and it would just kind of fold over and it wouldn't be a good masterpiece. But for those who do it, they know that you can't get one without the other. You need the leaven and the yeast to work together in order for the bread to rise. There's this special thing that happens. It's like a miraculous thing that only God could come up with where you have the flour and the different measures of what it takes to make the bread. But when you add the, the little bit of leaven that the commentaries on this text talk about how a, a, a little bit of leaven that's inserted into the flour, what it does is it begins to consume the whole yeast. It, becomes, it consumes the whole thing and that's what makes it rise and become bread and edible. What's the point? The point is this your small acts of kingdom activity, your little bit of leaven could turn into a big deal. Let me share an example in my life. When I was a college student at James Madison University in Virginia, I was playing college basketball. I'd never been to church in my journey growing up. I wasn't even aware of evangelical churches in Las Vegas. I was kind of on my own basketball journey pursuing that. And I'm grateful for my parents who loved me and introduced faith to me and prayed for me, but I didn't have my own relationship with Jesus. And so I'm there on the college campus and I'm really clueless about this, but somebody offered me some leaven. They said, hey, 
come get a free pizza pizza. You show up and get a free piece of pizza at FCA. I didn't know what FCA was. I said, what is FCA? They said, well, it's this, this ministry. I didn't know what a ministry was, but I knew that there was free pizza, and free pizza to a college student is a big deal, amen? <laughs> so I made a few excuses, and one day I showed up at FCA, and I got the free piece of pizza, and I heard the gospel, and I saw fellow athletes who looked like me and talked like me and dressed like me, and I realized I don't know God but I could get to know him. And that kingdom decision for somebody to start the FCA on the campus and that kingdom decision to buy pizza and that kingdom decision of me to say, all right, I'm at least gonna show up. And that kingdom decision for somebody to share and that kingdom decision for my mom to ship me and mail me a Bible. All those little decisions are little leaven. That thing began to rise. All these years later, God has done a great work in my life. I'm just using my story. And I'm not finished. I believe God has more growing to do. But listen, I'm grateful for the... If, if, If somebody didn't have the FCA dream to start that college ministry in Harrisonburg, Virginia, I wonder if I would have missed it all. Somebody had a kingdom vision that went onto a college campus outside of a church to reach students and athletes with the gospel. Jesus says, it's like kingdom of heaven's like leaven that a woman took and hid in the three measures of flowers. You're like, what's that little little leaven gonna do in the three flowers? Well, until it all becomes leaven, then you'll see the beautiful masterpiece. It's interesting, Jesus uses that illustration of leaven in a different context where he talks about leaven in the form of sin. He says, you know, a little leaven will leaven the whole lump. He says, if you just get around a little bit of sin, be careful, it might take over your whole life. If you get enticed by the leaven of sin and you let it just, it's just just one website, it's just one sin, next thing you know, your whole life could be consumed by it. It gives birth to death. And so Jesus uses that parable here. He goes, the same principle is true for the kingdom. You get a little bit of kingdom in your life, Watch the kingdom take over your life. You start getting kingdom ideas. You start getting kingdom vision. You start having kingdom conversations. You stop competing with other churches. You start collaborating with other churches. One thing that I haven't fully understand is, is, is people who, who, who hate lost people. I've never understood that. Christians who don't know any lost people. Our city's full of lost people. But if we're not careful, we get in a church mindset over a kingdom mindset and all we hang out with is church people. And all we know is church people. And all we call is church people. And all we go to coffee with is church people. And we miss the whole city that Jesus is thinking about. I love the church. And the church is a big deal. But Jesus doesn't say seek first the church. Church is a huge part of our lives. I started with family momentum. Church isn't like family Church is family. I love the church. This is the bride of Christ. But the kingdom of God is bigger than church. So I want to encourage you to to just start thinking kingdom. Last week, we talked about kingdom on the global scale. We talked about kingdom in George, South Africa. We heard from some different leaders like Chris and Ashton Pankow, who put their yes on the table to be global and local missionaries who said yes to the Lord and how God's going to use them to help mobilize our church globally. We heard from our sister Carrie, who's 
going to be going on a global trip or who went on a global trip to Guatemala. And um, now another sister in our church, Kristen, is going on a global trip to Guatemala this upcoming week, taking the gospel to the nations. We, we heard about how God's at work in India and how we're partnering in India to make a difference for the gospel, to bring the kingdom there. But I, I want to bring it more now to our city where we can hear from some leaders that are within our church that are advancing God's kingdom in Las Vegas for his glory. So I wanna pray and we're gonna hear just some quick updates from some different leaders. And then we're gonna go into the kingdom spaces that God's placed us for his glory. Father, I just wanna pray right now um, that Jesus, you would help our church right now as we lean into this message. God, I pray we wouldn't check out right now. I pray we wouldn't leave. I pray we we wouldn't turn off that God, this would be our opportunity to lean in and how we can even think through how we can be kingdom citizens, how we can be kingdom leaders in our own spaces. I wanna invite you to pray with me right now. And I want you to think about your job. I want you to think about where God's placed you. I I want you to think about your school, your family. God has placed you there for a reason. It's a kingdom reason. Jesus wants to bring the kingdom near to those people. So God, I pray that you would help us live kingdom lives. Seek your kingdom first and make an impact on the city of Las Vegas that's felt for generations. That the little bit of leaven that we produce, the the mustard seeds that we plant would grow up in such ways that that the birds can find homes in these trees. God, help us to be kingdom first. Help us to learn right now in this moment from these different leaders on the stage. In Jesus' name, amen.